welcome to the Hunt Backcountry Podcast, presented by Exo Mountain Gear. This podcast and the gear that we produce at Exo Mountain Gear share the same purpose, to make you a more capable, confident, and successful backcountry hunter. This show is all about providing you with valuable information from experienced hunters. To learn more about the podcast or about our backcountry hunting packs, visit exomountaingear.com. Well, welcome to the Hunt Back Hunter podcast. This is episode 185, and we are concluding our expert roundtable this week. So we've been talking all month with the same guests about different topics, and today's topic to bring everything together is understanding their secret to success. So we know there's no secrets. Success is a combination of hard work and knowledge and time and effort, and all that has to come together to have success. But for these consistent hunters, these successful hunters, what do they boil their success down to? Like, what are the key things that truly help them to be more successful year in and year out? And that's what we hear about today. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in this month. It's been great to have this roundtable series. The feedback has been good, and we are excited to have put this one out there. Also wrapping up this month, meaning today, July 31st, 2019, is the Hoyt Heel Expo giveaway. So I'm sure you've heard about that by now, but if you haven't yet entered, you have just hours, or maybe depending on when you're listening to this podcast, it's already over because it's only good through July and then we'll have a brand new giveaway for August. So if you're hearing this, go check it out at exomountgear.com forward slash podcast, enter the Hoyt Helix giveaway, or if you're listening to this into August, there'll be a new giveaway. So still visit exomountgear.com forward slash podcast, look for the giveaway link and get entered. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we value your feedback. We would appreciate having a review in iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or one of the million other places you can get this podcast. And we would appreciate your feedback as well directly. If you have a topic suggestion, a question, or anything like that, just shoot us an email to podcast at xmontgear.com. But for now, let's dive into the expert roundtable talking about the secret to success. First up, we'll hear from Ryan Lampers. Perfect. Okay. Um, if I had to boil it down to one thing that I feel has um, brought success in my little hunting arena, I, I would have to say persistence and preparation. I'm going with two. Um, I think uh, I think preparation brings about persistence in the end. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of dwell on those two things. Preparation in the off season is is so big and so important. Um, you know, and I'll go back to food, health food, being healthy and all the things you do, taking care of your body. Those things are just, you know, the fitness, getting yourself involved in challenges, um, you know, and what you're capable of getting your shooting dialed, all those type things. Um, you know, that, that, if you have that right, your persistence is going to be better on the hill. You're not going to so easily give up on a hunt. And I think, just the persistence on the mountain is is so big because I can't tell you how many times if I would have given up on four day five, um, I wouldn't have found that giant bull on day six or seven or at the end of day five. It happens so fast on the mountain sometimes with with mule deer and elk as well that um, you know it always ends up 
I mean, you guys could probably remember piles of times where uh, you felt like it wasn't going to happen. And then you just kept grinding, grinding, grinding. And then bam, in five minutes, you just lay down a bowl and you're sitting there on the mountain thinking, man, that just happened, you know? So I think persistence, um, just continuing to be positive, uh, you know, realize things are going to go wrong and, um, and just, you know, get through those and, and keep grinding on the mountain. And you have to have a lot of drive to, um, want to succeed. And, and I feel like that's probably my best asset. I love how you connected those, Ryan, because if you know that you're prepared, that gives you a level of confidence. And then when you have the confidence, it's easier to be persistent versus questioning yourself, wavering and doubting, um, which is very difficult to persist through. Yeah. You know, I, I think I, I think persistence wouldn't happen if your body is, is fighting you and your mind is telling you that you're hurting and you're tired and you should probably get back home and do some work. And, um, you know, it's easy to back out of a hunt when your body's not right or your mind's not right. So, and that happens with, again, poor choices on food, um, no accountability on your fitness in the off season, um, all those type things, or maybe, you know, missing a shot and then not having the, uh, the fortitude to keep going and thinking that you'll get another shot. Those, those are things that you can prepare for. And, uh, and that's going to bring about the persistence. Cause I can tell you right now, I, if I didn't prepare, I didn't hike in the off season or I, I, uh, was a little, you know, overweight and didn't, you know, have that, that fitness level where it should be. I wouldn't be persistent. I would probably give up pretty easily on a big backcountry hunt and, um, figure out a way to stay back at camp or get out a couple days early and, and that's just going to kill your success. So yeah, they're very, very closely tied together. I feel like. Yeah. You've had a lot of success, uh, late into hunts, Ryan, which I think over time just, it gives you that confidence that, you know, from experience that anything can happen at any time. And that just cause let's call it the first four or five, six days of a hunt have been, uh, crap <laughs> that day seven can be awesome. But if you think back to early hunts, kind of before you learned those lessons from experience, was there something you used to tell yourself to kind of keep yourself in the game when things weren't going well? Oh boy. You know, I mean, honestly, I think like everybody else in the early years, it, it easier said than done. I, I, I feel like I would give up on hunts in the early years until I had a couple instances where, you know, you, you grind it out a little bit harder or something miraculous happens on the last day. And I think hearing other people's stories, um, mentors, you know, my father's, my uncle's talking about, you know, continuing to grind and, and then things work out. Those help. That's why I like to preach it and, and make sure um, younger guys just coming into it know that, you know, this is something you should be aware of. This is something you should pay attention to. And, um, you know, it, it can happen. And, and I will continue to tell every story I have where it's come down to the end, just so that guy, other guys can feed off that. And they know that's, that's exactly what could happen to me. You know, it's been a long seven days and nothing's happened, but Hey, I've heard stories from other people where it comes down on day eight and everything comes together. Um, but I, I don't have anything that I, I think I can, I used to tell myself in the early years, I think like everybody, it's, it's hard to do until you either see it or maybe you've heard it enough times that you know it could happen at any point. 
And now we will hear from Nathan Jones. There, there's obviously things you can do to, to kind of uh, put yourself in the right place or whatever. And like we talked about gear and this and that. But for me, my, my, my real, I think, key to success, um, and, and it's probably corny or cliche or anything or, or, or whatever, but it's, it's what you invest in the, in the front end before you even get to the woods. And I say that, um, because like, like for me and my, my family, my family life, like it, it is so important, at least for me to invest, like cultivate an atmosphere in my family. So like I'm investing way before I even get to the woods. Um, and, and that, what I mean by that is, you know, like this year I have five weeks on the books for, for hunts, right? Well, that, that's a huge burden to my family. And I, and I understand that. So when I'm, when it's the off season, I, I, I very much make conscious decisions to, um, be a hundred percent dad, hundred percent husband. I've, I've, I've simmered down all my hobbies to just, I mean, it's pretty much hunting. And, and if, if it's, and if there are other hobbies, then it's hobbies that are hundred percent family orientated, um, uh, hobbies because, because when it is time to hunt, you have to have laser focus and you can't be, you can't be worrying about, um, I mean, you're always going to worry about your family, but you, you, you have to, those little things that sidetrack you just wondering if the lawn's getting mowed or if the guys at work are taken care of, or, you know, your, your, your wife's going to be okay with the kids and, and blah, 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 like eliminating that. And, and, and so when you are in the woods, you're a hundred percent focused, it's a big deal. Um, and if you don't have that, um, it, I think it really distracts from your, just your, your focus in the mountains. Um, I, I, before we started, we were kind of chatting a little bit about spring bear season here. Well, that, that was the, one of the first things that kind of went off my list, um, early as far as hunts with a family, because, you know, you, you, you get, you get sidetracked. You could be a thousand dollars in fuel and two months every weekend, you know, chasing bears. And I mean, that's just the way it is. So you, I, I kind of reducing some of the, 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 the fluff. Um, so you can focus on, at least for me, the, you know, the big game in the fall is important, but now my kids are a little bit older. You know, when we do spring bear hunts, it, it's with them. So it's kind of like the T-ball version of, of, of hunting. It's not, it's not hardcore. It's not, but it's, it's just something to get, get your, get your kids out there and, and, and still make it a family, family exercise. So that for me is probably the biggest one is, is, is cultivating my relationships in my family to be conducive to maximizing hunting in the fall, because it is, it's a selfish thing. And, and I'm aware of that, but my wife also knows that, you know, Nathan Jones without, without hunting is probably not, probably not the guy that she married to or even wants to be married to. And and I know that sounds weird, but I think you guys can identify that like without the mountains and without the pursuit of something, um, you know, you know, especially for me, it just, uh, you know, the rest of the year can just, uh, you, you, I, I'm speaking for myself here. You, I, I, I tend to just 
get so focused on other things and, and overwhelmed or whatever, hunting has a way of just kind of simplifying that, putting in very clear perspective what's what's important, being thankful for your family, being thankful for your house, being thankful for a refrigerator, all those things. Um, so, so without hunting, I'm not the same person, but on the other hand, it, it is, it is a kind of a selfish thing. So just, I guess, I guess investing in that, um, and cultivating that is, is really where I think my success starts. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, once you, and then once you're there, how important it is to simplify, I, I really try not to do multi-species hunts. I just really try to have sharp focus on one thing, one prize. Um, I have another little thing that I say, it's like, like seconds turn into minutes, minutes turn into hours. And what I mean by that is when you, when you aren't organized or you have to run to town and get fuel and come over here or unload something and repack at the trailhead or whatever, it's, it's taking little microseconds away from your hunt. And then going back to that time, time away from family, if, if you aren't max, maximizing your time out there, like if you're not a hundred percent in it to win it, the, um, it opens you up for just little failures. And then you tie back to the mistakes and lessons learned or the failures, right? And we're talking about that. It's, most of the time I look back on hunts and I'm going, how the hell did that come together? And it comes down to one little second opportunity. And if you were there, you're somewhere else, or maybe that opportunity wouldn't present itself. So, so having that focus, taking care of your family, allowing your head to be clear and staying simple and staying, you know, just focusing, having razor, laser sharp focus, um, you know, just, just freeze up those seconds of time that might make the difference on a hunt and next up we have cody kellum i think this is the 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 easiest question to answer and that honestly is teamwork um i've i've killed a pile of bulls in my life and i've only killed i think two by myself everything else has been having um somebody else they're helping and for us the way we call the way we cover country um it's it's kind of this fluid team effort and we're all there to sacrifice for each other so um i mean if a bull is shot it's like it's a team effort we're all like dude we just killed a bull it's not so much whoever pulled the trigger on that one um so a hundred percent the style that we hunt the way we like to hunt teamwork makes the dream work as we like to say so yeah. uh it, it you know i think you guys you guys saw it this year in idaho i mean yeah. we went after a bull that we, maybe you know by myself i'm like i'm reliving this would we have gone the way we went that day when tyler killed his bull and would we have just been like ah eh, roll you know maybe if it was just three of us we've been in there it's like the, the last two days that bull's not in there would we have gone in a different direction or gave up but having that extra set of ears the extra set of like insight or you know like we always come together kind of collaborate on a decision hey what do you think it's not it's not just like at the moment of calling elk but like throughout the day all the things that unfold um you know it, it tributes to kind of coming up with this master plan and and two i think um having somebody else there uh, keeping your mind in the right space, not letting yourself get down. 
mm-hmm. you def- and having the right team. So that can flip the other way where if you're there with the wrong person and they're like, I want to get home, I miss home, they're going to start feeding that into the objective that they want to see leaving early or, you know, whatever else. So um, having the right team in place and making sure you guys are like all committed to each other and uh you know it'll it'll come tenfold around so being selfless in that will be rewarding in the end yeah i don't know if you can answer this you guys have such a unique um history hunting as a group and obviously a lot of listeners have seen that play out on camera but like what comes out what comes to mind on ways that that's happened over the years, if you think about it. And I know that a lot of that's happened organically, but like, what have you guys done maybe somewhat intentionally to make sure that that bond was developed and or continues? Or what are some like pitfalls, things to look out for? You know, there's listeners out there now who are are trying to find and or develop the right type of hunting partnerships. Um, I mean, I think it starts at the base of like what, um, what are your core values? Like what, you know, I mean, looking at that, making sure that you guys, you know, when you build a mission state, I mean, in somewhat like it started with us as a business, but also we hunted together, uh, prior to, and you have to have like that all aligned vision going, okay, we're going on this trip. And if so-and-so kills a bull on day two, we know that on day three, he's going to push harder than he did on day two, even after he's tagged out to make sure that now you get the opportunity. Um, so kind of setting those ground rules up first. And um, I think this day and age, there's uh, a lot of like uh, the mentality of, well, I've been bow hunting for three years, so it's I should be successful. I, you know, I've seen this or whatever else like it's a long journey and understanding that um, and making sure that everyone else is willing to put in the work to, uh, to get the reward. And there's no shortcuts in that time and experience. I mean, uh, it's, we've definitely been intentional by it because we've talked about it and understand, okay, well today so-and-so's got it, got the tag, he's shooter. And then following up is, is, um, you know, trance up tomorrow or we even like have changed it now to, uh, trade chase bugle for bugle. So we get on a bowl and he gives us a slip. Then the next guy's up, um, because you know, weather could change or everything else can change. And it's been super fair and people, I mean, we've, we've all kind of gone with that and agreed. So, um, just having that conversation up front, making sure your core values are aligned, uh, I think will help in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've talking about it's important and as guys i think we're all guilty of maybe not talking so much but then if the expectations aren't out there and known it's really easy my, for expectations not to be met my wife has never said that before <laughs> well you're I'm a special like, breed cody yeah no I, I, I i'm definitely she's like you're the worst communicator ever so um yeah i probably have done a better job communicating with my hunting partners and my spouse but that's uh <laughs> Different story. I know it's a weakness, so I'm working on it, babe. If you're listening, (laughs) (laughs) this is not a therapy podcast, right? (laughs) And here is Ben Gatormson. The the advantage we have as animals, as human animals, is our brain, and I think a lot of guys forget that when they're in the field, they, they, 
they lose their mind when they <laughs> when they hear a bugle and it's 200 yeah. yards away when they're in the timber or you know they're on a hillside and there's there's elk on the other side of the basin it's like they forget that they have the you have the ability to think your way through this process there's there's nothing that's forcing you to go over there right now um because if you if you think through the process if you put yourself in an analytical position where you're using your mind you're going to win against that animal that animal has a very simple mind I mean, we have a very complex mind and you start playing scenarios in your head and you, you, you start to, to look for that, that scenario that you feel like is, is key, which comes with experience. This isn't something you're just going to go out and think, Oh yeah, I'll do this and this and this, and that's going to work. You know, <clears throat> keep your mind open to things. Definitely consider, you know, putting, more thought into your, your decisions, more calculated decisions. And I think, it, I mean, I remember, you know, when I, when I first started hunting, you, I, I would wear myself out physically just wandering around looking for elk without a plan, without, you know, Oh, you know, what am I doing? Where am I going? And I'd run into elk and those interactions would, would start and be over very quickly. And I think that's how a lot of people, that's how their experiences are, you know? But I think if you, if you put more time into maybe exercising a plan, you know, you taking time of day, wind direction, thermals, um, you know, terrain, all these things, and you put them into a scenario. I mean, again, you're, you're, you're hunting a fairly simple minded animal and, with a little bit of trial and error, you can kind of figure out what animals are doing at certain times of the day and putting yourself in those scenarios that are high, high probability to being successful um, are going to, going to weigh volumes in your, in your number of punch tags. So um, I've, I've kind of joked, I've joked with friends Um you know, I've got, I've got a couple friends that are, you know, big fitness people and I'm, I'm always giving them, telling them, you know, smarter, not harder, you know, and I, I kind of have <laughs> taken that as a motto when I'm in the field, you know, slow down, take your time, make calculated decisions. Don't, don't let your physical abilities, you know, trump a smart decision because I don't care who you are. One of these four legged freaking animals in the mountains is going to, is going to always outperform you in terms of anything. And you got to think of what, what you can use, what tools you have to, to put yourself in a situation to be successful and, and use your brain, man, put, put time and effort into making the right decision Make sure you weigh all options, all odds, because if you make the wrong decision, chances are that group of elk that you're, you're thinking about dropping in on, they'll still be there if you, if you don't go in on them. And I think that's the other thing. People think that elk are there right now. If we don't go now, they're going to be gone. 
And just because you can't see or hear an elk, if you saw animals there the evening before, chances are they're going to be very close to that the next day. And the next day, I mean, the mistakes are there to be made if you, if you so choose to, you know, make them. So, and, and that was kind of, that was another thing that I'd taken away from my experiences is that um, just because you saw an elk there one day and you didn't the next three days doesn't mean they're not there. You know, I'm, and that, that has always kind of, I mean, once I kind of got through that, knowing that elk are places where they like to be and they're, they're always going to gravitate back to those places, regardless of if you went in and blew them out once, chances are those elk are going to come back within, you know, three, two, three, four days and be back in that same area. And here is Steve Speck. Number one was, as I talked about with my um, mistakes and lessons learned, was learning to hunt patiently, slowing down, knowing that, you know, I said I had this attitude. If I spotted a buck across the hillside, that that buck was only going to be there for 30 seconds and I have got to sprint and get there as fast as I possibly can. Like that was my mindset. And knowing that, I could sit back and watch that buck for two, three, four, five days and wait for that perfect opportunity. And so that kind of complete 180 shift of just having patience, waiting for the right opportunity is, it was absolutely critical. Um, the other thing for me was learning and hunting with others. If you're, you know, I mean, everyone's still working on becoming a better hunter find, you know, listen to, find every resource that you can. For me, it was, uh, I've been fortunate to have a lot of good friends, you know, within the hunting industry and, and things like that, that are excellent hunters. And I would just talk to them, I'd pick their brain. And what, what do you do in this situation? Or they just got back out from a successful hunt and, and I'd ask them questions similar to how we do when we're inter- interviewing someone on this podcast. But ask them questions about how the hunt went down, what they did right, what they think they could have maybe done different. And then if you're super fortunate, try to get out and hunt with some of these guys who are very successful. If you can, you know, everyone's, uh, it's very easy to be selfish with your hunting time. I'm very guilty of that. You know, there's only so many days in September and it's hard to take somebody else out hunting when you, you know, you just want to experience that and have it for yourself almost. But, um, if you can get out and hunt with these people, because what I noticed was that they're not even these crazy successful guys. They weren't hunting dramatically different than I was. And I'm talking guys that that uh, like a Russ Meyer who we're going to have on here. Someone who goes out or Travis Nowotny, um, you know, Rick Palmer, who works for us. These guys just go out and they kill something almost every single time they go out. It's absolutely ridiculous. They completely destroy the you know your 10 to 20 percent bow hunter success rate they they're averaging 60 70 percent on every single hunt they walk out the door on uh these guys are doing something different right um and to me it boiled down to patience and what they were doing was patience and then just all the little things from 
you know, the just a little bit more effort pre-planning, scouting, a little bit more effort out in the field, a little bit more effort to to go more out of your way to to not be seen, a little bit more effort in taking that extra half an hour to make a stock instead of rushing it. And then it also comes down to that last these guys have killer instinct. You get inside, you know, say you're bow hunter, you get inside that 50-yard range, a switch just flips, they go into autopilot, and they just don't mess that scenario up. There's a, a lot of guys who get opportunities every year and, and have the chance. They're doing almost everything right, but they get right up to that to the shot portion of it, and they screw something up, and I'm very guilty of this. Uh, it's something I've always been working on. They screw something up, and then you know that's their opportunity. It slipped through their hands, or that the, the next guy who is super successful finds a way just to get that done. They, they, you know, probably batten, you know, ninety percent there at the at the shot. So, um, yeah, the the little things that they do all add up. So there's no don't cut any corners and cheat when you're out there in the field, uh, or you know, really you could say everything it's, it's preseason shooting and practicing. It's getting in shape. It's planning, um, you know, just give a hundred percent effort in all those areas. And you'll definitely see those rewards when you're out there in the field. And to wrap this up, we'll now hear from Russ Meyer. If I boiled it down, I would, I guess, first and foremost would just be my passion for archery hunting. Um, I mean, I remember like it was yesterday, I was 10 years old. I lived over by the old penitentiary off of Worm Springs. So I was at the base of the foothills underneath Castle Rock. There wasn't the houses and all that. I could literally cross the road, cross my neighbor's yard, jump the fence, and I was on safari, right? Whether it was with my Red Rider or my pellet gun, then my 22, and then, you know, my bow in there too. My dad gave me a Fred Bear, a little bear recurve when I was probably, I don't know, eight or nine or something. And I was bound and determined to shoot a rock chuck with my bow. And long story short, I was by the, by the old penitentiary there. And there was this little, you know, uh, 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 rock chuck pile anyway. So I sat on this rock chuck. I'd seen him. I snuck up there and I sat there. I don't know how long forever. And I ended up shooting that, shooting that with that little bow. Um, took me about three hours to dig him out of a hole and, and finish him with a rock, but needless to say, the air was still in him. And I got my, my first bow kill or what I considered my first big game bow kill at that time. And literally from that time, it was just a, just a passion of mine, you know, obviously through high school and sports and, and all those things, I didn't really have the opportunity, you know, September and whatever. And my dad really wasn't a bow hunter. Um, so it was just always with me. So, you know, in reality, it was easy for me because I was so passionate about it. I loved it. And once I started big game hunting and I, when you mentioned podcasts and information, this generation, you can spend a lot of time and granted, you can get a lot of great information and, 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 and and ideas and, but still you're not going to replace like you kind of mentioned you being in the field. I mean, I learned so much going by myself, hiking my butt off, sleeping wherever, listening to elk, figuring it out, screwing up, and learning what worked for me. I mean, all of us are different, whether it's physically, mentally, um, you know, the, the ability to shoot, you know, your, your lethal, you know, all of those things, the ability to control your emotions. Um, so 
you just, you got to go do it. And it was easy for me to do it because I was so passionate about it and I was super competitive and I've always been competitive. So I had a competitive drive in me, um, that was super strong too. I wanted to succeed. Um, you know, and I've evolved a lot as a bow hunter and, and maybe smell the roses a lot more than I used to, but I was just tenacious. I was in shape. I kept myself in shape and I shot a ton and it was easy for me. And so that's kind of the secret. I think with me is I was never a guy that watched, read, listened. Um, I've never been a reader. I wish I was, but I was a guy that just, I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to do it. Right. So that that's probably, you know, time in the field and my passion for it and um, um, just just going and figuring it out, how to be successful and, and for me. And I do things a lot different than a lot of people. I, I know that. Um, so it's, um, you know, for example, bow, uh, you know, elk hunting. I've shot a lot of bulls and uh, um, I think I'm, I think I'm right at 30 and I'm not trying to brag or whatever, but of all those bulls, no one's ever called a bull in for me. So I've learned how to, you know, call bulls into me for the shot or sneak in on them. Right. Well, I take that back. Actually, this is really cool. My boy, uh, Jess, we were working in on a bull and, uh, he ended up calling and called it down and I snuck in and, so I guess I could say my boy is the, is the only one that's called the bull actually in for me on what somebody would consider kind of a semi-normal setup, right? But again, don't get me wrong, a caller-shooter setup is the most optimal because you're up front and that bull's looking past you and you're coming, but I've kind of learned how to call to, to, to make them still, you know, come to me in bow range. But anyway, so again, it's just figuring out what works best for you. That's, I think everybody needs to do that. You can watch and spend a lot of time watching and I don't know. You just got to get in the woods. You got to be there. You got to make it happen. Figure out what works for you. With having done this for decades or us, and then also being involved beyond, I would say like recreationally. So, I mean, you mentioned from a shooting perspective, you've done competition now, from a professional perspective, you're involved in the hunting space a bit. Have you ever struggled with losing that passion or kind of getting burnt out on things? Um, or have you always been able to keep your own personal passion while everything else, professional commitments or competition or what have you, has also been happening? You know, that's 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 a great question. Um, you know, I had a construction company in the Treasure Valley here for like 13 years and 08 rolled around and kicked me in the butt and made me realize pretty quick. I didn't have life figured out. Um, it was shortly after that outdoors international approached me to, to work with them as an agent, you know, um, kind of long story on short on that, you know, in the past I had, I had been approached by other, you know, people within the industry from film to, to different stuff. And I was, I was one that really never really considered it because I was steadfast to say, Oh no, I'm never going to jeopardize my passion and make it a career. Never. Right. Um, well, after 08 and I'm scratching my head trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. Um, my partner and I had dissolved the company and I was just kind of, you know, trying to figure it out. And I do believe everything happens for a reason. And I was approached and spent, you know, a couple months really pondering, praying about it and just wondering if this is where I was supposed to be. So I just, at some point I just, I just knew and I dove in, I dove in head first. Um, I felt like I would be able to balance that 
um, to this point, it's been almost, this has been nine years now. Um, and I've, there's definitely been, you know, some roadblocks and things. I'm a guy, a lot of people look at my career. I mean, Outdoors International, we, we facilitate hunting and fishing adventures around the world, you know, as an agent and, and now equal owner in the company. I obviously have opportunity to really go anywhere in the world. And I have had the opportunity to, you know, look into China from 15,000 feet and take guys to, you know, New Zealand and Africa and, and some places that I'm sure I never otherwise would have. And I kind of say that because I, I am honestly content shooting rock chucks for eight hours out of my blind or going and shooting carp for, you know, 10 hours or, you know, hunting ground squirrels here in the spring, like I always do. And, and that's one thing I'll touch on just to step back a little bit secret to success. Um, and I say this over and over to people, the only way to learn how to kill something with a bow is to kill something with a bow. So from a very young age, like I said, 10, I was arrowing rock chucks with my little Fred bear recurve. And I've done that my whole life. I'm excited to go in the spring and shoot whistle pigs with my recurve and ground squirrels and rabbits and, you know, all the small game I can. And I love it. So that's a pretty good secret. You got to shoot animals. You got to be proud to shoot that doe or that forked horn and be proud to post it on social media or don't, who cares, whatever. But, um, you, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta go through that whole process to take an animal down to learn how to continue. Uh, otherwise you're going to be stuck in a situation and you hear it a lot. You know, I passed up this bull and passed up that bull and I'm waiting for the big bull. And it's like, have you ever shot a bull? No, but I want to shoot a 300 inch bull. And it's like, okay, you're in for a long road, dude. You know, <laughs> so early on, especially, you know, um, even just small game. It, 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 it's, it's a, it's a big deal. But anyway, as far as, uh, jeopardizing my passion obviously i've there's been situations in my career where i come to season it's been a little bit tough for my old buddies that i've hunted with forever to even make a plan to be honest because lots of times short notice things 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 happen and come up on a business level to where i have to make a decision it makes most sense for me to spend these two weeks in september here you know to evaluate this outfitter obviously part of our 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 job and commitment to our clients is we're going to get boots on the ground, evaluate this outfitter and determine whether or not we want to send our people to them. Um, so in a lot of ways that, you know, it has, um, I've been able to balance that to some degree. Again, um, I really prefer my haunts, my history, my hunting in Idaho, but don't get me wrong. It's, it's been amazing to go hunt moose in Alaska and, you know, we've got a lot of DIY stuff that we offer too. So that's kind of more in my wheelhouse. I book uh, a whole ton of, you know, unguided moose and guided caribou and, and those along with other hunts around the world. But, um, I have been able to balance it, um, to some degree. And, and my, my passion has changed obviously after 28 years of super avid elk hunting, but, um, I think I'm still doing pretty well with it. And, you know, I still love it. I still, uh, I still go, you know, not nearly as much as I, I did, but luckily I, I, I did when I was young and I learned how to be efficient and I learned how to capitalize on my opportunities. And now I, you know, I don't scout anything like I used to. I really just don't hardly at all. Um, life just gets busy and kids and, but fortunately I, uh, really dialed in a lot of, a lot of fun hunts here in Idaho you know, 
when I had the time to do it. So, but things always evolve, you know, I've, I've had some amazing places that I've hunted elk or antelope or bear or whatever. And pretty soon they're encroached on and, you know, make a conscious decision. I'm going to the next spot. We're going to figure that out and make it happen, you know? <laughs> well, there you have it, guys. That's a wrap on the expert roundtable. We hope you have enjoyed the series and we are excited to continue bringing you great content here as we move into August. So much to cover before many seasons launch in the coming days, coming weeks, and on into September, obviously. So we have some great content headed your way on how to go in light, how to come out heavy, how to travel with a weapon, a whole bunch of content on elk, and a whole lot more. Again, the giveaways are xomountaingear.com forward slash podcast, and you can contact us directly by email to podcast at xomountaingear.com.